Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 460. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. I'm so happy to have you here today, and I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Eddie Lauren. Eddie is the founder of Impact Housing REIT and has such an interesting background and story. And Eddie, I could sit here and share from what I know, but I found that you can tell your story better than anybody else. So I'd love for you to just introduce your self better to the listeners and tell them how you got to where you are today. Well, my story is, you know, it's like everyone. We all have our plight in life. I was born in Long Beach, California, 52 years ago. I'm an old guy now. And my uh, father died when I was 10 months and my mom when I was 17. So I was orphaned and left to fend and make my way. I got my self through UCLA on my own and paid for it. So I was proud of that. And I got myself to a position where I got into real estate and I'm moderately successful. And my goal is because I come from that of an underdog, my goal is to help the underdog. So I've been doing impact investing in real estate for many, many years, in essence, taking blight and making light. And so as a result, we've got a great program where we go in and we take older, neglected apartment communities and transform them into thriving communities and it's been fun and it's very rewarding our motto is a happy resident will stay pay and refer their friends so we give people a clean safe affordable place to live treat them with respect and dignity and that's a very simple common sense formula and a lot of people make things very complicated and we like to make it simple and it's really rewarding oh my gosh i've seen that complication so thank you. I love making bright out of light. I just want to make sure I got that right. Making light out of blight. Blighted areas. Making light. See, I'm so glad I repeated it back. Making light out of blight. And, I, and then I added my own rhyme unintentionally. Positive productivity is not about perfection. I was so excited that I just botched it all up. It's so beautiful. And I've personally experienced some of the not-so-friendly housing. And I mentored a girl in the Bronx when I was working in Manhattan. And I remember she was in a Section 8 housing development, floors and floors and floors of all these apartment buildings, but they were so neglected. And they would actually escort me as a family back to the train station just to make sure I got out of the building okay. And it was just so sad. sad. Because I can't imagine, you know, sending my children to school. I mean, the the mother wouldn't do that for her own children, like escort them to the, you know, the, the bus or whatever. But I can't imagine having to be so concerned about my kids. So I just think it's, it's beautiful what you're doing. How big are the buildings or complexes that you are working with and that you are investing in? They're usually between 100 and 300 units. Mm. You know, the Common Clubhouse, we want someone to drive our building and see the sign and say, I only wish I could afford to live there. Once they get inside, they have a nice clubhouse where we have a lot of community 
enrichment and gatherings and it's very fun and we have resort style pools and state-of-the-art fitness centers outdoor fitness we painted the properties really nicely so they pop and uh, we rent to people that make about 80 percent of area median income which is the definition of affordable housing and workforce housing the most important thing is that middle part because the low income there are some subsidies for that but a lot of people are just struggling and working hard and that middle to lower income segment really gets lost and we give them like you remember suave does what theirs does for less than half the price yeah that's kind of our motto <laughs> i left my ex-husband often called my husband in 2010 it was abusive and i was a single mom of two and i moved into a subsidized housing development here in ohio which is much different than we see in other parts of the country i mean here it was townhouse living with a community it doesn't sound anything like yours i mean no pools no you know there was a playground in a little center that i suppose was open some of the time but even here like the what they called affordable housing was still up there very much i i suppose i could have gotten you know or applied for assistance but it would have taken years to go through but right it it's so sad often to see i'm about 20 minutes outside of dayton ohio and listeners you know i'm very transparent Eddie, we just bought our house. It's a five-bedroom house for 125000 which if you go to California, if you go to New York City, you can't even get a closet for that much, right? Right. But right. So our monthly payment with tax and insurance is $900. My apartment in this subsidized apartment complex was 770 and I was a single mom. Hmm. And then I see apartments in other houses around town where it's the same type of thing. They're declining so bad just because the people can't afford the upkeep. And I see it around the country. You know, I've, I've lived in New York. I've traveled to California quite a bit. I hate to say it, but I've seen the Hollywood versions of as well. I've, I went to school in Chicago, so I saw, I saw some huge apartment buildings there that were meant to be more affordable housing options just go to waste because they weren't being upkept. It became unsafe for people to live there and everybody moved out and then they ended up tearing the buildings down. So people had to move outside of the city, which often was unrealistic as far as them getting to and from their jobs, which are in the city. How did you begin to get into this and realize that it was where your passion lied? Well, I started with all the, so to speak, food groups. Well, in life, I tried food, literally, the food business, didn't like it. Clothing, you know, I tried to sell clothes. I worked at Nordstrom, you know, that wasn't for me, really. <laughs> and then I went to uh, shelters. So I started and I did commercial real estate and then finally kind of migrated into apartments and found that I have a pretty cool knack and a great vision to transform real estate. So look, we all stumble upon things in our lives and we just try to figure out what we do best and what feels good in your heart and your gut and you do what you do. So, you know, over 15 years, I kind of migrated into apartments and started with few properties and eventually uh, started buying for a major 
company and bought about 25,000 apartment units for him. And before the, the dot-com crash, and that was, you know, I just worked for the guy, but it was, it was some tough times in 08, but gained a lot of experience. And I saw what works, what doesn't work. I have a lot of contacts. You know, we, we were all a subject of our, our history and our, our track record. And mm-hmm. then I started my company in 09 and started buying. We got up to about 15,000 units and have been selling over time because the markets are a little toppy. That's why I went more into the affordable space because the luxury space is very overpriced, I think. And yeah. the way to make money and make good returns for myself and my investors is to buy older properties at 40 and 30% of what it costs to build new and putting in 10%, so to speak. And now you're in for half price and you're able to do what Suave does. (laughs) That's it. It's very simple. I love it. I mean, I was going to say that's beautiful because I I really do think it's beautiful. My 15-year-old son just yesterday was watching a YouTube episode of some show. I don't know what he was watching, to be totally honest. But there were a couple guys who were going on apartment tours in Manhattan. And these apartments were costing 40000 a month or 25000 a month to rent. Ah, yeah. Jesus. I know. And I looked at him and we're very, very, very open about money in our house. I was raised in a family who neither side really talked about finance as much. I wasn't raised to learn and budgeting or the value per se. And my children have been exposed from a very young age because we either had the money or we didn't. We had to make decisions, like even the simple decision of are we buying generic or are we buying brand? And they've learned that generic is, it can taste better sometimes than the brand name. But I looked at him and he knows how much we bought the house for. I said, you realize, don't you, that that apartment is smaller than our house. But in three months of renting that apartment, you could buy our house. Or in a year, you could buy four of them. And he's like, I know. I was like, you know, someday you could be there. You could be making enough money. But I just want you to think about it. Because you could also, you know, hire a helicopter to get you back and forth to the city to something that's more affordable outside. And he's like, huh, that's an interesting thought, Mom. (laughs) That's right. When I was living in that complex, I mean, the housing was really nice, but there was a little bit of stigma from the outside, you know, because people knew that it was a income-based rental community, but we were all very hardworking people. Everybody that I was neighbors with, we all worked very hard and it's not like we got ourselves there because we were being lazy. And I find so often that assistance programs are linked to what people think is lazy people. (laughs) That's quite the opposite. It's so I, the opposite. I, I, I don't, are you done with your question? Because I got a lot to say about that. What I guess my question is, is by providing such awesome housing, do you find that you're getting a different caliber of the people who need it? Does that make sense? Yes. You know the term, my mother taught me this when I was young. You can be poor, but you got to be clean. Yes. If you create an environment of cleanliness, respect, dignity, you're going to attract like-minded people who can change the world together collectively. And whether they get a subsidy or not, they're still working. It's quite the opposite. Sometimes people have mental illness. Sometimes they're 
handicap, older, and sometimes in capitalism, not everybody can win. There are losers too, unfortunately, and we have to take care of everyone. Just because you've lost in business doesn't mean you've lost as a human being and don't deserve a clean, safe, affordable place to live. So what's really important is that people can have that opportunity and have the respect because they do work a good, hard living. And if you you mentioned $900, so that means you should not pay more than $900 or 30% of your income. So your income should be over, in order to meet the formulas, over about three grand, okay? Right. Which would be 100% and you're at 30%. Mm-hmm. If you don't make 30 grand, you, let's say you make 25 grand, you could should only pay 800 or 750, 30%. Well, if the rent is $900, that voucher is gonna come in for 150 and help you. There's no crime in that. You're still working hard and deserve that help. So you don't have to spend 50, 60% of your income on housing. And sometimes you mentioned the helicopter example. Some people are spending as much as 70% because if you add transportation costs that they could avoid if they lived close. So there's no shame in that. And going back to your question, we absolutely find that we have like-minded, good-hearted people that want to make a difference. They're not lazy people. They appreciate the respect that's given and they stay, pay, and refer their friends. That's our motto. Mm. Yeah. When I did leave my ex, I was unemployed and I was looking for work and I, it was just something that I felt needed to happen at that time. Whether or not I was prepared for it, it needed to happen right then. So I went and I got public assistance and I would find myself very often there was a mandatory Friday open interview session and I would show up in a suit. I was an interior architect in my past life. So I had suits from going out on job sites and meeting with clients and such. But I was always really surprised by the people who showed up in their their sweats and looking like they hadn't showered in a week. And I just, I wanted to give a lesson in, you know, just pride. You know, I understand that it might be really difficult where you are in this station of or in this place in your life, in this season of your life, but it doesn't have to stay this way. And I think some people get just fed up with their circumstances and put their hands in the air. And I have so felt like doing that so many times, but I'm so glad I did. We all have. Yep. We all have. We just got to keep the gratitude and make sure that we're thankful for our troubles or what will we have to look forward to? Absolutely. My husband married his high school sweetheart when they found themselves unexpectedly pregnant, and then he joined the service. And unfortunately, he got injured in the service. He did not get a medical discharge. He convinced his sergeant, and I I was never in the service, so I don't know the rankings, totally honest. And I wasn't married to him while he was still in. But he did not get a medical discharge. He left when his term was up. But he often had difficult because he didn't have a college education he was back to working in factories which is how he was raised and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it he loves the factory work sometimes he wishes he could still do it but the back injury prevented it so time and time again he found himself losing his job just because he couldn't keep up and finally he said maybe it's time for you to 
to use the benefits that you got in the service and return, go to school, pursue your dream job. And so we did that. And that's actually how we wound up in a whole bunch of our struggles was because we lost the one income as intermittent as it was. But he he got his four-year degree in three years because that's the benefits that he had. But Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really proud of him. But at that time, I had lost my job as an interior architect before I left my ex because of the same economy crash that affected the guy that you were working for. I was designing schools here in Ohio. And it, that's a tax issue. People don't want to pay for school improvements when they can't pay their, for their mortgage. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Right. Basic housing. Uh-huh. So there just weren't opportunities for me. Dayton, Ohio is not the mecca of interior design. So I found myself working at Chipotle for the $9 an hour. And it, it's amazing to me, and sorry, I'm talking so much about me here, but it's amazing to me how even at $9 an hour, the government thinks that that's enough to pay all the bills and they even restrict some of the benefits that you receive then. So, oh, I just love what you're doing because life can take us in so many different ways. And we always have to remember that just because of somebody's personal position and where they are now, what car they might be driving, where they might be living does not it doesn't indicate what type of person they are, if they're good or bad. or That's right. Your net worth is not your your self-worth. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. What is your big goal? I want to move the impact and the communities to believe that they can make a difference. Everyone. I want everyone to rise up and try to make a difference in this world again. There's so much negativity so much blaming. I want to bring people together. I started impacthousing.com. It's the first opportunity where even non-accredited investors can invest as little as $1,000 to help change the world through the, um, the vehicle we call Impact Housing REIT. And I want to make sure that all people have the opportunity to make a difference. Through my efforts, if I can do as much as I can and others like me, then we can make a difference one apartment at a time. How big do you see impact getting? How Or how big would you like it to be? I'd like it to be, you know, we're buying our first couple hundred units right now because we just launched. But, you know, hopefully we can get to 5,000 units that are affordable and thriving and changing the lives of 15,000 people, average person of three people in a unit, right? Mm -hmm. If we can do that, I can feel like I made my contribution. I care deeply about the people who thrive and live under our roofs. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to affect 15,000 people's lives would be pretty cool. And you would be changing future generations. That's right. You can be poor, but you got to be clean, right? Mm -hmm. So they teach them dignity, respect, and all those good basic characteristics that we're, we seem to have lost our way lately on. Yeah. So where where are you getting started? Are you in Long Beach, California? Oh, no. I, 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 but I grew up there, but now I'm, I'm located in, in Los Angeles. I'm okay. Calabasas, and um, I have currently about three or 4,000 units I already own, mm-hmm. and we're ramping up. And this new initiative is different because the JOBS Act in 2012 allows 
anyone to invest. Whereas it used to be only wealthy people could invest. People that had a million dollar net worth and made at least 200,000 a year. Now anyone and everyone can invest. And I've taken that opportunity to offer what I do that normally was reserved for the wealthy to anyone and everyone worldwide. Can you explain more about the Jobs Act? Because I really am not familiar and I didn't realize that, that there were restrictions on who could invest. Absolutely. There were the reason was for the last 70 years up until 2012 under the last administration, it used to be that only the wealthy were allowed to invest to protect against hucksters and all kinds of, you know, offerings to the prey on widows and orphans, so to speak, right? So that's why those laws were set up, but they were not very common sense laws because it really made some of these offerings exclusive and it wasn't fair to the rest. So now when the Jobs Act passed, it allowed people like me to go through Regulation A plus to make offerings through the SEC but saving the 10% of going through Wall Street. So someone gets a better deal from me going direct, that's the whole point of the internet, crowdfunding, versus going through the Wall Street managers, et cetera, and paying all that load. So everybody gets a better deal. And that's really leveling the playing field and allowing the average investor to be able to invest directly. But it's fully sanctioned by the SEC, and I have a lot of requirements future results are not indication of past results, you know, all those disclosures here on the radio, you have to say, but that's to protect the consumer, but the consumer never could go and make these investments before. So it really is limited to real estate or is this any type of investment? It's anything. I just happen to have it in real estate and, you know, for impact to change uh, the world and have people learn passive income that makes a difference. Yeah, I am so not educated in that or in any part of investing. Watching cyber currency and and lately I've been watching some choice uh, internet television networks and their stocks going up and down and just being totally bewildered by what the heck is going on. I told my husband, I am okay with that. How do you manage, now that we've had our first taste here in Ohio of buying our house, it actually, listeners, if this is not your first episode, you may have seen a trend lately of real estate, and this was totally not on purpose, but I'm <laughs> a, a couple of my podcasting friends and I have seen that often the trend, like the, the topics that we discuss a little bit more frequently are actually the ones that we're thinking about in, in our off podcast life. Does that make any sense? Sure. But I was talking to my husband about how this is just the first taste. I would love to be investing in other houses in the neighborhood where we were given our opportunity to rent this home for our family for a number of years. I would love to start buying other homes in the neighborhood. And he's like, I really don't want to deal with the management. I was like, that's okay. You don't have to. I'll do it or we'll find somebody else. I can't say I necessarily want to do it either. So how do you manage that? You've got, you said over 3,000 units already. How, what does your management team look like so that you can take care of yourself and have time for self-care? Well, I have an asset management folks in-house. Okay. 
that we watch over. But we have third-party managers across the country that do the work. They hire the on-site. They hire the maintenance guys. They handle all the collections. They handle the accounting. All that is outsourced. I do not do it. But we watch over it Mm -hmm. to make sure that it's done properly. And if they're not doing what they need, they get from us what they need. Otherwise, we make a change. Right. Oh, good. I get stressed out for my clients sometimes when they see them trying to do too much and just thinking about how all the logistics that would go into all of your units just made me honestly a little bit stressed. I have enough in my own life to be stressed about. Don't need to start sure. worrying about. Yeah. But I was like, Oh my gosh, like on any given day, you know, a refrigerator dies or a furnace needs to be replaced or there's a flood or anything like that. I, I just can't even imagine I think yeah. I need to give a whole lot more thought as to, do I really want to be doing that? I mean, with five kids, all of our animals and everything else that I have oh, going God. on, is it really something I need to sure. be thinking about? Maybe that's no, like 20 not. years out. Yeah, when you're retired and <laughs> yeah. kids are grown and they're all submitting income back to you for all that we've invested in these kids. <laughs> oh, I love the thought of that. Actually, I one of mine would like to be a Major League Baseball umpire, and the other one would like to play Major League Soccer, and the youngest three don't even have a clue what they want to do yet, except for play Barbie and what, That's it, right. what have you. You must have really had a big month of World Cup Soccer then in the house, watching all those games, right? Actually, we don't have cable, so oh. um, he might have been watching it on YouTube, I gotta be totally honest, I do not yeah. monitor sure. enough, yeah, but I'm he's sure. busy enough with his own soccer tournaments yeah, and but I it, it's funny that the one who wants to play major league soccer is he's like but he says, "Mom, I want to have a place in Hawaii. Do you want me to buy you one over there too?" It's like, well, right. that would be lovely. <laughs> yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if with that one that there's some reinvestment back in. But as long as they're happy, healthy, and just being good people, that's good enough for me. What legacy? would you like to leave? I'm sure you've already shared it already considering your mission. Yeah. I just want people, if they're standing over my casket and throwing dirt on me, to say he was a good person, an honest person. He did the best he could for society and he enjoyed himself immensely. Hmm. I love that. For listeners who would like to learn more about impact housing and just learn how they can get involved and perhaps invest, where can they go to learn more? Just log on to impacthousing.com and you can always contact me through the website or um, you can invest as well there. So yeah, you make it so I'm simple. Thank always you. Available. Yeah. I'm sure listeners, you can remember impacthousing.com, but if you are out driving or doing anything where you can't write it down right now, feel free to go to the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp460. Eddie, I have enjoyed this conversation immensely, even when my mouth and my brain aren't quite connecting. I just want you to know that. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much for joining me today. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? You know, everybody thinks real estate's about finding good deals I argue that good deals are made, not found. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. 
When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Thank you.